It's 6 p.m. and you are listening to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Thursday, July 8th, 2021, and this is the KVMR Evening Newscast. The COVID-19 pandemic spurred many Californians to pull up stakes, but as it turns out, most of them are staying right here in the Golden State. Tonight, Lily Jamali of the California Report speaks with LA Times reporter Sarah Parvini about what some have called the Great Californian Migration. Plus, local headlines and regional weather, hospitality houses' needs of the week, Bravehearts, and an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. Throngs of passengers are once again spilling out of LAX, but they're finding there aren't a whole lot of Uber or Lyft drivers to take them where they want to go. KCRW's Benjamin Gottlieb has more from drivers and advocates on why. Katrina Green and her husband just can't stop looking at their phones. We've been waiting for like 30 to 35 minutes for a Lyft. They live about five miles from LAX, but they can't seem to catch a ride. And they're not alone. On any given day right now at the airport, hailing an Uber or a Lyft has become both difficult and expensive. That's because while more folks are looking for transportation, drivers are simply not back on the roads. I was making about $3 an hour at the beginning of the pandemic. It was ridiculous. That's Daniel Russell, a former rideshare driver in Los Angeles. Just my pride. I didn't want to go on unemployment, but... um, Eventually, I just had to because there was nowhere near enough business to sustain, and it was dangerous. Russell says he hasn't returned to rideshare work, and he doesn't plan to. And if you ask folks at Rideshare Drivers United, which is a driver's group based in L.A., they'll tell you something else is going on, too. Proposition 22, passed last year by state voters, allows companies like Lyft and Uber to classify their drivers as independent contractors. And that means they can adjust things like payment for drivers at will, says Estefanie St. Just. She works with the drivers group. When I started, I was getting paid $1.20 per mile. And now you're making 32 cents. It doesn't make sense. Now, both Uber and Lyft declined on-the-record interviews with KCRW, but in an emailed statement, a spokesperson for Lyft acknowledged driver shortages, but said that's changing and that the company, quote, added thousands of drivers in the past few weeks, and it's already leading to a better rider experience, with wait times down more than 15% nationwide, end quote. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Gottlieb in Los Angeles. A lot of Californians have moved since the pandemic began last year, but as it turns out, most of them are staying right here in the Golden State. LA Times reporter Sarah Parvini has been reporting on the Great California Migration in a new series about Californians on the move. Sarah joins us now. Hey, Sarah. Hey. So, Sarah, no surprise, the largest percentage change came in San Francisco, as in people moving out. Where are all of those people going? About two-thirds of people who moved out of San Francisco stayed in the 11-county Bay Area economic region, and 80% of them stayed in California. What's interesting to note is that counties in the Sierra Nevada Mountains and other parts of Northern California saw huge increases in entrances by former Bay Area residents, and that is according to the California Policy Lab. What is also very striking about your story is the map where you show the areas where people are flocking. And I noticed, you know, there's a lot of overlap with those areas, with the places that are most prone to fire risk in our state. What are experts saying about that? 
Yeah, I spoke with a researcher at Occidental College about this because one of the residents uh, who I met lives in Placerville. He's a longtime resident, and he spent decades at this point maintaining his land to ensure that being up in that interface, the wildland-urban interface, he wanted to make sure that his landscape was okay in terms of fire risk. But he mentioned, and this was something that the researcher I spoke with also did bring up, concerns that folks who are new to the area might not know the best way to maintain their land. Because although the areas that border Sacramento are more built up, there are definitely places throughout El Dorado County up higher, you know, where the highways are, you know, in the hills. Uh, They're forested and they are densely green. And as the population grows, there is concern that you know, there will be more homes in the hills or in the forest and that it could add to fire risk. Right. So you might have city folks who don't necessarily know how to upkeep their property uh, to mitigate those risks. It's a real concern. How do locals who are already in some of these places where people are flocking, how do they feel about this influx? It really runs the gamut. Of course, I think anywhere that you go, Uh, In the state or really in the country, if a bunch of new people are coming in, there are going to be those people who say, hey, I I really don't want this to happen. I like my my neighborhood, my town or my city to stay the way that it is. And that's why I live here. Um, But, you know, I spoke with a lot of residents also who, although they were concerned about things like the fire risk or just the fact that this has driven up property values so much over the last year, they were excited to see more diversity of thought, um, different kinds of folks moving in, A, because that increases kind of the debate in the area of what they want the neighborhood to be like or what they want their city to be like, um, and also just because it, it provides a little bit of freshness. Uh, but there mm-hmm. is definitely the concern as well that, you know, it's getting really just unaffordable in terms of mm-hmm. if you want to step into that first home. Right. I know it's still early for a lot of people who have moved, but did anyone you talked to already have regrets? So far, the folks that I've talked to have not had regrets. Uh, obviously, it's, it's tough to say whether a year or two from now they're still going to be happy with their decisions or if their work lives are as flexible to allow for you know, remote work, which was a push for so many people. Um, but, you know, I did talk to folks who said, look, if a year from now my work says I can't work remotely, I'm just going to quit my job and find something else. And I think that's Mm. something that's pretty interesting. That is very interesting. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for this reporting. Thank you so much for having me. Sarah Parvini is a reporter with the L.A. Times and also, as it turns out, the better half of Ben Gottlieb of KCRW, who brought us the first story in today's show. And, well, we just think that's pretty adorable. Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare on the web at chcf.org/voices. Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org and SF MoMA, presenting the exclusive U.S. exhibition of Nam June Beck, a visionary global artist who bridged art, music, performance, and technology. Learn more at sfmoma.org.
And that is the California Report for this Thursday, July 8th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Did you feel it? The Sacramento Bee reports that an earthquake jolted central California this afternoon, shaking up residents of the Sierra Nevada foothills and the San Joaquin and Sacramento valleys. The shaking began at 3.49 p.m., registering magnitude 5.9 and was centered in the Little Antelope Valley, about four miles south of Colville in Mono County, and about 150 miles east of Sacramento. Preliminary reports indicated two earthquakes had struck 25 seconds and 100 miles apart, but the U.S. Geological Survey revised the shaking and removed the report of a magnitude 4.8 quake in Farmington, about five miles east of Stockton. A swarm of more than two dozen aftershocks in the Sierra followed. Most of the quakes were between 4.2 and 3.0, according to the United States Geological Survey. Nevada County released a statement today that says that Nevada County's Department of Social Services will activate cooling centers for residents when overnight recovery temperatures don't go below 75 degrees and the humidity is high. As temperatures begin to climb tomorrow, residents can beat the heat in cool public places like the Nevada County libraries, grocery stores, or movie theaters. The Grass Valley Library, the Madeline Helling Library in Nevada City, and the Penn Valley Library are open until 5 p.m. on Friday. Cooling centers will open at the Grass Valley and Penn Valley Libraries from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. Air-conditioned space, water, and snacks will be available. Well-behaved pets on a leash will be allowed, and both locations are ADA accessible. Before entering, county staff will conduct a COVID-19 screening and masks will be required at all times under the California Department of Public Health's face covering guidance. In regional weather, according to the National Weather Service, increasing pressure over California this week and through the weekend will result in widespread triple-digit heat combining with warm overnight lows. This combination will lead to a period of very high heat risk in our listening area. An excessive heat warning is in effect beginning tomorrow and goes through Monday evening. For Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 71. Tomorrow will be sunny and hot with a high near 103. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 53 degrees. Tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 89. And for our friends in the valley, Sacramento and Woodland, Tonight, clear, with a low around 68. Tomorrow, the valley will be sunny and hot, with a high near 107. Here are Hospitality House's Needs of the Week, followed by Bravehearts. This week, Carly Pacheco and Serena Cantway of Freed discuss the many challenges of being homeless. Hi, I'm Christina Abkarian, Marketing and Development Specialist at Hospitality House. Hospitality House is a year-round emergency homeless shelter for the general homeless community in Nevada County. 
Now on to the needs of the shelter for this week are blankets and sheets, twin size, new pillows, bottled water, bras all sizes, men's underwear, boxers sizes medium, large and extra large, women's underwear sizes small, medium and large, shampoo and conditioner travel size, men's and women's deodorant, duffel bags and backpacks, Please drop off urgent items or mail them to Utah's Place located in the Brunswick Basin past the DMV at 1262 Sutton Way in Grass Valley. For a tax receipt, please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you. We greatly appreciate the community's help. In the words of Utah Phillips, if we all stick together, we'll all get what we need. Thank you. Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts, where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis. We are your hosts, William Wallace and Betty Louise, and these are the Bravehearts. Serena Cantway and Carly Pacheco share Freed's approach to addressing the housing crisis. Freed is a nonprofit organization here in Nevada County. As a housing coordinator, there are several areas in which I work. Things as simple as helping people apply for affordable housing, starting with a master application, discussing credit issues, possible criminal background, income, past evictions if there are any, and the barriers that they're facing with getting into somewhere, because all those things I just listed are barriers that most people have when they are trying to apply for housing. Mm -hmm. So and that's just one piece of it. Beyond that, those who come in with disabilities, older adults may not have any income. And this is where they would go to our source coordinator, her being the SSI, SSDI Outreach Access Recovery Coordinator. She helps walk them through the process because it is an inaccessible system that Social Security has. Most of these people that are homeless do not have access to a constantly working phone, mail, internet, all these technological things that are required in order to keep in constant contact with the Social Security Administration and their timelines because there are deadlines and they are time sensitive. Claudia jumps in, she helps begin that process, she will help walk them through the process, help them get all the documentations, even coordinate new care providers because there's a long, lot of times people that are homeless don't have access to healthcare all the time. There's not exactly a way to get their rides to get there or, or the means in order for them to get to the doctor or your primary care physician like some people would. This goes to the wayside and especially in mental health conditions, those are some of the harder ones to address and Claudia will help coordinate access to be able to get those issues addressed to keep up with Social Security so they have the medical records they need. So as they begin this process, what I would do at that point, I do intakes with them as well, and we will help with rental assistance until they receive their Social Security benefits. As they are going through the Social Security process, I meet with them several times, a lot of case coordination type effort because we will start the process of what the barriers are, and then we will begin the process of sustainability once they find housing. 
how are you going to keep housing, right. keeping in contact with the regional housing authority if the you know Section 8 housing choice voucher is open, making sure those applications get in, helping them keep a timeline and a process because once that starts, all that's time sensitive well and it can be very overwhelming. There are people that have evictions, but there are things that happen because everyone has a story mm-hmm. before the streets. And that story is allowed to be told when it comes to applying for affordable housing because everybody's story is different. But know that each person that you see out there has a story. And we're seeing more and more often, we're seeing more and more older adults approaching our organization because they are imminently homeless. Maybe they've, they're living on their retirement benefits. It's a fixed income for them. And maybe they've been renting a place that's worked great for them for 10 years. And now the owner is selling the property. We see this a lot. And when they look at the housing market now, 10 years later, trying to identify, number one, we don't have enough units. There just isn't enough housing, period. But certainly the affordability has changed so much that they are priced out. and. You know, we, we see people in their 60s and 70s on a regular basis coming to us knowing I have a month before I'm homeless and I don't know what to do. I think it is important to highlight these are our neighbors. These are our family members. This could be us, any one of us, the situations that people find themselves in. You know, if you suddenly have a catastrophic accident that can flip your life on its head. Most of us aren't living with a lot of savings these days. That's just the reality. And if you suddenly get a cancer diagnosis and you have to reassess and reevaluate life, we see these things really regularly. And and these are things that are leading people into homelessness all the time today. Mm -hmm. So what is considered affordable housing right now? (laughs) I am just just curious. Oh, that's such a good question. Even some of the low income is really not low for those on a fixed income. The possibility of around nine fifty a month and your rent is eight hundred dollars. Yeah. And what do you do now? Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind. Be well and be kind. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. I usually have a good time on my birthday, and Tuesday was no exception. I talked to some clients, saw my life coach, who told me to practice resting, ate dinner with friends, and went up to my favorite lake twice, once to swim and once to nearly freeze while treading water and waiting for the full moon to rise. When I came home from these adventures, I discovered a herd of sheep loose in my neighbor's front yard. My poet self wanted to watch how sheep move under a full moon, almost like a school of fish, they're so fluid. But my citizen self asked the sheriff's deputy, who was trying to block the driveway, if she needed any help. She did not. I was in a wet bathing suit under my dress, so I went in and changed. When I came out, there were two deputies and one good Samaritan, 40 or 50 sheep milling around, and one agitated sheepdog barking his or her head off and lunging at the law enforcement. 
I don't know how to reach my neighbor who lives elsewhere. No one knew who owned the livestock. We don't normally entertain sheep in this part of town. They were hired to graze under a big solar array nearby to reduce fire danger. The county owns the solar panels, but no one from the county was awake. I always think that after you call the sheriff, everything will be solved. Probably I have read too many westerns. In this case, the solution seemed a bit makeshift, involving yellow rope, corrugated roofing tin found on site, and at one point a dog's leash when an irascible sheep escaped into Newtown Road and had to be recaptured. At 3 a.m., the dog was still barking, but the humans were gone. At 5 a.m., there was blessed silence, and I might have thought it was all a dream except for the lingering aroma of manure. Events like this, as so many in life, are often unexplained. How did the sheep get out to begin with? Who came and removed them in the night? The barricade was still intact. They weren't asleep under the solar array. I drove over to check. Nothing appeared in the local news or police blotter to enlighten me, and I don't think it's prudent to bother the sheriff. My neighbor came back at some point and took the barrier down so he could get into his driveway. I can't imagine what he thought was going on. My cats do not speak much English, so their alertness never got translated into the details of the story, though I'll bet they watched the whole thing unfold. Since my coach had asked me to practice resting, I sat down on the sofa and took a deep breath. Oh well, I thought, one of life's mysteries, like how I got to be this old and what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Someday I'll put it on the radio. And, dear listeners, as you have heard, I did. Happy birthday to all of you, wherever you are. I hope life brings you many benign and delightful surprises, up to and including large numbers of sheep. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That concludes our newscast for tonight. Thanks for listening. We get support from Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays, 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And Meze Eatery, family-owned, organic, conscious foods on Mill Street in Grass Valley. Offering Mediterranean, Middle Eastern cuisine, locally farmed ingredients for daily scratch-made pitas, falafel, baba ganoush, hummus, and salads. Online pre-order recommended, M-E-Z-E eatery.com. Coming up next, Martin Webb brings you the Climate Report, and at 7, it's Democracy Now! I'm Claudio Mendoza. Stay cool this weekend and drink plenty of water.